This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 268, recorded on July 7th, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the videos. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the Average Guy Network. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studio here in a stormy, and Kevin, we know stormy for you, too, up in the Minneapolis area. <laughs> stormy Bellevue, Nebraska, we had a big storm blow through last night, knocked some trees down, thunder and lightning, all that good stuff. It's been weird here in the Midwest because it got really hot early, and we didn't have those typical storms with tornadoes and that stuff, and then... It seems like as July has come on, it's acting like June, which is weird. And we're getting a lot of thunderstorms. I know you guys up there um, are as well. Of course, we post the show with world-class show notes each week out at the average guy. TV. You can also join us live on our new mobile app, and you can get that very simply just by subscribing to big, easy buttons on your mobile device. Just open up your browser on your mobile device. Go to homegadgetgeeks.com. And uh, you'll see right there, there's either either an iPhone button or an Android button. Just click that. It'll take you right to the pages that you need and get you subscribed and the things you need to get them subscribed in and make it super easy for you to get this downloaded every single week. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the show and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. And then we recently put a Patreon link on the front page. If you've been wanting to support, and many of you do that through the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund, and that's awesome that you do that. Because I'm on Ask the Podcast Coach on Saturday mornings, uh, 9.30, if you ever want to join us Eastern Time, or uh, Central, 9.30 Central. Um, if you ever want to join us on a Saturday morning, you're sitting around, head out to askthepodcastcoach.com slash live, and we're out there. I'm out there with Dave Jackson. But because I do that show, we talk about Patreon all the time, and I just thought, well, I'll set that up, and there's one option. It's a $5 support link, and I'll probably do a $1 here eventually you get nothing for it. I'll mention you on the show if you're a Patreon supporter. So Paul Barron, thank you for supporting Home Gadget Geeks. Paul was the first one with an hour or two of me setting up the Patreon link out there. Paul had set it up or had set a, 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 a subscription to it, five bucks a month or six, I think is what he chose. And thanks for that, Paul. Uh, we, uh, we value that. And if you want to support the show in some way, a lot of folks say sometimes, well, I don't want to use Amazon or I don't like Amazon. And I just want to donate, and if you want to do that, and it's great if you do. I'm not begging you to, and but it's just available to you out there. Head out to theaverageguide.tv. Look in the bottom right-hand side. You'll see it just says Patreon. Click on it. It should take you over there, and I have one plan. And if you want to do that, uh, if I get some feedback, like, hey, a buck would be better, I'll just create a buck plan. And if you want to do it that way, again, it just kind of keeps me involved in what's going on at Patreon and a great way for you to support the show. If I get enough of them, we may think about, I don't know, Mike, maybe we'll do T-shirts or mugs or... I am down to that. Stickers seem to be popular again. I don't know. I don't know why, but stickers seem to be... That is the number one thing I buy from podcasters or anyone that I'm looking to support is stickers. I don't know why. I just like them. So we get enough to do it. Maybe I'll, we'll get a sticker campaign going on, and uh, we'll, we'll send you out stickers. Don't forget the, uh, the home server show meetup is coming up. Kevin, are you going to come? Uh, you thinking about coming down to Indianapolis? I think it's September 17th, oh, yeah. I want to say, yep. is, is I, the day. Uh, I haven't got my ticket booked yet, but I'm planning on being there. I'm going to drive, I think, and I'm going to try and I'm going to try and bring this guy with me, Mike, uh, along with me. We'll see if we can't uh, do a road trip and uh, get Uyghur 
out there to join us for, and, and I think head over to homeservershow.com right now, and I think it's right on the front page if you want to get the details about the meetup uh, that is coming up. You can also find the Patreon link if you go to theaverageguy.tv slash support. So just some ways to get that done. All right, well, we've already heard from Mike. Uh, Mike, welcome back. You've got to, can, can, you, can you say, I know you're vlogging this, but yeah. you were out last week for a big ticket item. Can you talk about it? Yeah, yeah, we were, because um, the vlog's going to go up tonight anyway. So the last week on Thursday, I, I told Jim, I was like, hey, last second, we put in an offer on a house, and of course, the offer expired for that person at 8. So, and in traditional form, at 8.15, we got the call, so it was right during the show. But yeah, we locked down the house. We haven't closed on it yet, but we had the inspection today, and everything seems to be going well on that end. But Hannah and I are super pumped, because this is our first home. So, going from the apartment to the house for the first time, and finally going to be able to install all of the fancy things that we've talked about on this show that I've just been waiting to have a house to install. So that is what I'm excited for is getting some new tech for the house and uh, all that will be coming here in August. I'm excited for it. Yeah, home automation. We're going to talk about that some tonight. But yeah. uh, finally, we get some uh, Uyghur tech home automation chat. And the, first, get to... the first challenge will be uh, replacing the phone jacks with Ethernet jacks. I double-checked today during the inspection. They did use Cat5 cabling and just use two of them for the phone. So I oh. could just go around the house, replace all those, put in... I, but I've never done that before. I've never made my own ends for Ethernet. But I've heard it's relatively simple and uh, should be a fun little project to do the first weekend we move in. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, good to have you back. Of course, we had Ryan Parker on last weekend. We covered some food, tech, uh, kitchen gadgets. And, and you know, I'm not going to lie. If you did not listen to last week, you need to go back and listen to it. Ryan Parker brought... I mean, he full guns, bearing, blaring, shooting. It was awesome. He did a nice job of just bringing it. And whether you're a uh, whether you're a kitchen geek or not, some really cool things uh, for both inside and outside the kitchen. Of course, on the um, the the uh, the average guy TV Facebook group. So if you go to the average guy TV slash Facebook and join the group, we've been having some conversations. Mike Howard and uh, Mike has been talking about he. Put in a smoker, and Mike, I don't think you've stopped talking about barbecuing since we started. <laughs> since you got your, you know, since you got that uh, that up and running, Mike. I know you've been posting your your PF Sense, kind of your boxes, the things that you're doing. Uh, Kevin, you have been posting deals out there as well, not as many as you have in the past, but I always appreciate you posting that. Uh, any any uh, Kevin, any any deals you're seeing right now? Just while we got you here, you're the deal guy. What's going on with deals right now? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of what's been hot lately. Um, solid state discs have uh, just kind of hit. Uh, you know, the bigger ones are looming around twenty cents uh, a gig, and uh, little guys are around twenty five cents a gig. It seems like every week you can pick up a hundred and twenty gig uh, uh, SSD for thirty five bucks. You know. So um, I, I think we're probably at ground zero on those. And with the next, uh, you know, the, the semiconductor guys are just getting ready to fab um, kind of next generation flash. So we should see some cost breaks uh, for capacity on those popping up. Um, disk drives have remained, you know, pretty low. We haven't seen too much, um, you know, uh, jumping up in price on those. Um, we'll talk a little bit about networking gear tonight. You know, that stuff is uh, kind of hit a, an, an all-time low. 
low for what you can get for the buck. And uh, Uyghur, you know, it's probably going to be the worst thing you ever let me know that you bought a house because I got all kinds of ideas for you to spend money. And uh, hey, bring them on. No, the wife won't support them, but I can at least, I love hearing them. <laughs> well, they'll go I, on sure the list and get, they'll just slowly uh, get a cross out as we start to go down the budget list. You know, that's how it's going to work. The line, uh, she has line item veto capabilities. Oh, right. Just, yeah, oh, well, actually, Kevin, you're her favorite person, though, because you saved us with the hard drives. You uh, offered us some good deals there, and, <laughs> and we took advantage of it. And she was very happy that I didn't have to go out and spend full price on some new drives. So. There you go. Just well, and, and you gotta let her know it's it's all in who you know. It's right. All exactly. It's who you know. It's what's going on. So it is. We uh, Mike Howard had said he loves his new Rectex smoker T E C R E C T E C smoker, and uh, him and and uh, and Mark Robinson have been going. And actually, I thought that was in our Facebook group, but actually, it's been outside of that. Uh, Mike, always feel free to bring those conversations into the the the, the average guy, because there is some. There's some incredible, as we as we found out last week. There's some incredible tech that's coming to the kitchen and to the grill, in the way they're doing things, in the way we think about. It. I mean, grilling is just not charcoal anymore. There's all kinds of different woods and pellets and gas and all kinds of crazy stuff is going on. I think smokers have gotten real popular, and here in the last five years, and a lot of guys are on gals are moving to that. So speaking of gals, I don't see uh, Emily out there tonight. That's kind of weird. Maybe she'll join us. A little bit later. Kevin, we uh, wanted to bring you in. We've got some things we want to talk about with you tonight. If you're new to the show, Kevin is a regular contributor in all the groups that we do. Of course, as part of the Geeks Network, there's a bunch of podcasts out there. Home Service Show, Surface Geeks, uh, here at Home Gadget Geeks. Kevin is kind of known as our deal guy. He kind of combs the, the, the interwebs for deals that we're doing. And tonight, we've got some great, uh, we got some great stuff to talk about when we think about what you want to watch for in tech, we're going to talk a little bit about Windows 10, and I think it's very appropriate that we talk about that tonight. A little bit about home automation and then some Wi-Fi. And then a, a, a topic near and dear to my heart, Kevin, we're going to talk a little Drobo. Pretty Absolutely. Excited. I'm pretty excited about that. Start us off, I posted this week, uh, mostly spurred on by my sister who called me and said, hey, I think I need to update my computer. And I said, well, what makes you think that? And she's like, well, things are getting slow and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, what OS? And she says, I have no idea. And I said, well, let's just talk. So I, I call her. She's still on 8.1. And, uh, and it's, oh boy, it's been a while since I've been on an 8.1 <laughs> machine. And uh, we're going to upgrade her this weekend. But let's, let's talk about it. Uh, July 29th is the very last day that you can upgrade to Windows 10 for free. Uh, for most individuals, back up, back up, back up. If you're doing this, back up, back up before you do it. But Kevin, what are you seeing out there? Let's talk a little bit about. It's more than just ba you know upgrading to Windows 10 for free. There's some things to consider. Sure. So you know uh, some of the things I've looked at and and uh, I've kind of made sure to clean up. A lot of my own systems, my main systems have been Windows 10 for quite some time. Um, but, you know, kind of a couple of things I was looking at is, uh, you know, if you had to go buy a copy of Windows 10 these days, it's 99 bucks for home and it's 139 for Pro. So, um, you know, it's back to the kind of the, the good old days of $100 OSs. Um, and just last night, I upgraded a system uh, that, you know, kind of fell into my category of it was uh, a uh, Windows... Uh, it had been a Windows 7, uh, one of the HP TouchSmarts, 23-inch uh, uh, TouchSmart 600. So uh, one of the touchscreen guys, the my original kitchen computer back in the day. And that's a box that I had upgraded to Windows 8, 
uh, and 8.1 for a period of time. And uh, that's you know, one of the points that I make to everybody is on that one, I could have easily just did the automatic upgrade from Windows 8 to Windows 10, but I'd actually wasted a Windows 8 key there. Uh, so what I did with it is uh, just, you know, it was a box that I was going to clean up anyway, put a new partition on it. And uh, one of the things I hadn't realized until I checked on it was um, you can now install Windows 10 straight uh, to a new clean hard drive with a Windows 7 key. So you don't even need, really need to upgrade anymore. So this is basically a HP PC. Uh, flipped it over, grabbed the Windows 7 Pro key off the back, uh, popped in my USB stick with my Windows 10 uh, media on it, which uh, you can make from any Windows 10 computer you want. Um, in the show notes, I've got a couple of links there to help take you out to do that and uh, rebooted the system. Uh, actually, the thing that took me the longest time on this system was to delete the old partition off the disk drive. <laughs> and make sure, make sure you keep an old uh, Windows 8 install disk handy because that seems to be one of the easiest. Or actually, you can do it from the Windows 10 install as well as go in uh, to do a repair. And uh, in the process, um, yeah, you can jump out to advanced features and it lets you get to the command line and, and you can kill it there but uh, quick and easy I mean it, it was uh, on, on that box uh, like I say it took me more time to kill the partition clean off the drive um, the system rebooted found everything really nicely and um, that was a system that uh, you know it's, it's an older system now and I was a little concerned that you know, would Windows 10 work well on it and I gotta tell you Windows 10 I think works better than Windows 8 did uh, Windows 8 when I first put it on that system it took quite a while to get the touch screen working exactly right uh, and and a few other the features working right um, Windows 10 came up touch screen worked right away uh, everything came back uh, like I thought it would, so uh, you know, very good experience all the way around there. So, you know, that's it, it, easy to upgrade, but also um, you know, easy on some of these older systems. If you have older Windows 7 systems that you don't think you need 7 on them, go ahead and knock them up to uh, Windows 10. Yeah, it, you know, and when Windows 10 first became available to us last summer, about this time. Uh, for the first six months, the driver support was just awful, and uh, lots of problems with it. And even into January, it uh, it was pretty rough. And they got they came back from the holidays, and they must have had every single person at Microsoft working on driver support because it quickly was fixed. And uh, so now with 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 most Windows 10, and the most common problems with Windows 10 was, of course, there was a Intel uh, video uh, driver that just would crash all the time. In fact, I still have some. We are using older copies of Windows 10 at work. We have converted, but we haven't necessarily kept the updates uh, the most current. And uh, since upgrading to Windows, the the most current version or 15.11 is kind of the base, and then there's the various uh, installs that go to it. A lot of those deal, a lot of those problems have been worked out. So if you've been waiting and you've heard some stories and you wanted to get Windows 10 at any particular time, probably now is the time to kind of make that happen before mm -hmm. it, it, it stops becoming free. Kevin, good advice. You also mentioned you can still pick up Windows 10 if you want to buy it separately, although a lot of folks won't. $99 for the home, uh, $139 for the Pro if you want to get it that way. Yep. There is a media creation tool uh, that is out there that, to make that. We'll drop that link in the, in the chat room, but I'm assuming, Kevin, that's how when when you took your 
that all-in-one to you just wiped out the partition and then and then went to this Windows 10 um, uh, media tool to to make the media to be able to install it. Is that right? And then you put the Windows 7 right. key in. Yeah. So the media tool, I, I went to my main workstation. You you can go to any any system running Windows. 10. Just type in uh, media uh, or use the link, and it will show you how to how to get to uh, making your own USB stick. Um, the I think one of the questions that'll ask you is, do you want the same version that's on this computer? I recommend unchecking that, and that way it'll give you a 32 and 64 bit. It'll give you all the versions of Windows 10, so you can pick it off that way. Uh, and then I, I, like I said, I really was kind of surprised surprised that uh, I just keyed in that Windows 7 key, it finished loading and started updating and I went to uh, you know the, the search bar and typed in Windows activation and it popped up and said uh, this copy of Windows has been activated through, um, I, I forget the term they use now, but it's, it's, it's the upgrade process and so they, they, they've got a special terminology they use for that. But yeah, quick and easy and, uh, and you know, no uh, yeah, and, it, and, and that is a bit of a change because in the past there had been a period of time there where you would have actually had to have had Windows 7 on it and then done the upgrade in those stages. So it, it is nice that uh, Microsoft has opened things up now to let you do a clean load as long as you have a valid key. Yep, and if you're if you're buying a system from someone and that you make sure that sticker, the Windows 7 sticker, is still on the machine. Mm-hmm. You can use those those uh, license keys are tied to the machine, not the people, and so you can use those uh, those keys to get it done. I walked somebody at work through that just the other day. I was like, oh yeah, if you have you know, because he would he had um, he had done alternate methods to get it done. And I said, you know, is there a sticker on there? Because right now you can use that Windows 7 key to upgrade to Windows 10. So they've made it. Microsoft right now has made it very, very easy to get this done. They have been. It has not always been that way, but it took them a year. But all the stuff is in place to get that done, kind of right now. The other trick too is if you're on a, if you're in the Win, the Windows Insider build, Mike, are you? You've got the Kangaroo. Did you put that thing on the Insider build? Is that is that working for you there? And you have the most recent version? Yeah, it's actually. I had to go check and make sure it wasn't chewed up bandwidth because it's running an update right now. So yeah. and it works actually great on that kangaroo. Yeah, no, it really does. In fact, I've been trying to get my kangaroo on the Insider build. I just set that up the other day, and it hasn't caught, quite picked up the new builds yet to get that done. Running the Surface on the newest, we got a new update just today or yesterday. I think it was actually early this morning. The newest update, I think we are super close. So right August 2nd, the anniversary edition or the anniversary update is what they're calling it. Uh, for the summer, summer update, um, is coming. I think the Insider Bill, I think what we see today, Mike, is going to be really, really close to that they're going to release on August 2nd. So That's I what I was wondering, is if they're going to start slowing down, because we've had one a week, and they, I mean, they haven't slowed yeah. down at all, and this is still okay, sometimes two. one a week. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. two. So maybe this one will be one of the last ones we see. Yeah, Kevin, have you been on the Insider Builds? You know, I, I was doing uh, just a on uh, Windows Phone for a bit, and uh, otherwise I, I've been a little swamped. I haven't had time to play around with the other Windows 10 build too much. Um, and, and and oddly enough, uh, Brian Burgess keeps me up to date uh, with his newsletters. Yeah, he so does a good I job. Kinda... <laughs> he does a he good does a job. job out there. I actually snagged one of his articles. I had some. I put a little post on Facebook for my friends and family, and said, "Hey guys, if you're waiting, now's the time. I'm upgrading my sister this weekend." Now is the time to get this done, and you probably don't want to wait any longer. They will absolutely stop this free offer on oh, yeah. uh, on July 29th. Uh, Kevin, you'd also mentioned 
there were Windows 8 keys that were available back in the day for 40 bucks that some of us took advantage yep. of. Those keys are still valid. You can still use them to update. There's another another deal, right? If you haven't, if you're not having deployed anywhere else, you can take those keys and use those keys to deploy an instance of Windows 10 on a box. Yep. And yeah. uh, I I believe I waited till the last minute to buy those, and I uh, I had printouts of them, but I found them in uh, it was towards the end of January in 2013. So if you go back and if you think you you might have bought one. Go back and uh, look uh, early 2013 January, and see. Yeah, there were you know uh, a lot of us bought a couple extra just to have around, and uh, well, you know I used Wanda and I had one still floating around, so I I've uh, deployed that on another system as well. So lots of lots of choices out there to get things used before the 29th. Yep, all, all good reasons to have one, of course. Uh, both Kangaroo and the Surface come with a with a copy of it, so I don't I don't have to put new copies of Windows on that. Uh, and what we have, and everything else is licensed appropriately here in the in the network. But it's good, uh, Mike. Mike, I'm you know part of this Windows MVV, MVP program for Microsoft. Although I think I'm on the last year because they have moved us all as Windows. They call us now Windows Insiders, and it's part of the MVP program. But I think I think they're gonna. I think we're going to cease to be the status we are here shortly. The Microsoft's making some changes. I am good through, I think, April 1st of next year. So we'll go to the summit. This may be my last summit. Um, and that's okay. There's a lot of things going on at Microsoft, and they're making some changes, and we'll see if I can survive a cycle uh, or not. It's been a good run. I think I'm on my sixth, sixth year? Yeah, sixth year as an MVP, and uh, some great benefits to do that. But don't forget, you've got that. You've got your homework now for the next uh, couple weeks to make sure you get, if you've got Windows boxes and if you want to upgrade them, the and server your family members, because the guys who listen to this are the right. tech guys, you know, for their family. So <laughs> call the family, call grandma, make sure everything's all taken care of. Yes, yeah, yep. and it might be a good time to call. I updated antivirus. I updated malware bytes. I did all that stuff. You know, while you're in, uh, I ran a Bellark uh, report just to get that. Mm -hmm done and, and uh, put on the hard drive so I could get back to it. I ran a crash plan backup to the hard drive. In this case, I'm not too worried about putting that to the cloud. I can put it on a separate part, you know, a separate folder on the hard drive. It's there if I need it for whatever reason get it back. So prepped her hard drive this weekend and said, okay, we're gonna Friday night, I'm gonna call you, I'm gonna remote I'm gonna remote into your box. We're gonna start the upgrade and on Saturday morning when you come back it's gonna be done. So that's kind of the the plan going forward. Kevin, on Home Gadget Geeks, I'm sorry, on Home, that's this show, on Home Server Show, uh, over the last couple weeks, Dave has been talking a lot about Luma. Of course, Luma was a Kickstarter crowdsourced. Mm -hmm. Was it Kickstarter or Indiegogo? I can't, one of those two. I think it was Kickstarter. Uh, Kickstarter, I think yeah. it was Kickstarter. Luma, of course, there have been some, there have been some, lots of talk about mesh networking when we think of Wi-Fi because big houses and, you know, I was telling you guys in the pre-show, I went with the OnHub, right? So Google's OnHub. I have the TP-Link version of it. Had set that up and put everything on one. And I have a small enough house. It was it was fine for me, right, to have one device. These other mesh network devices have multiple devices in one SSID. Dave talks a ton about it on home server show. So if you're interested in getting some of the details, pause this, head over there, listen to him talk about it for a couple hours, and then jump back into this conversation. Um, Kevin, I was finding actually my OnHub is when I when I ran the 25 or 30 devices that I have here in the house through the OnHub, it actually struggled just like all the other wireless 
devices that I have to handle that much traffic, especially when my daughter's cell phone uses 50 gig of data a month because she, well, what? she's using LTE, so that's not going through the Wi-Fi. But yeah, we I have a power user. Yeah, good thing we have Sprint Unlimited. Right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't know, I, I don't want to use... This is kind of what tipped me off to it. She kept saying, I kept having trouble connecting to the Wi-Fi. And I'm like, what? And so I was checking with it. And sure enough, my OnHub has been struggling at times to handle all those connections. I was doing both wired and unwired, and or wireless. Mm -hmm. And um, it was locking up a little bit. So, Kevin, as we think about um, this world we live in today of wireless in the home... Um, Come at it from your angle. What are the kinds of things you're thinking about for your house? Sure. So, um, you know, and of course tonight, of course, being that we're podcasting, Comcast seems to be going out to lunch on me. So if I'm uh, if I'm cutting in and out, uh, it's 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 not because I'm besmirching the Wi-Fi I have in my home. But uh, you know, I, I think Wi-Fi is always <clears throat> it, uh, gets labeled as part of the issue. But uh, as you found in that case uh, with your OnHub, is it really Wi-Fi, or maybe it's more of the throughput of all these devices trying to get in and out of your internet connection? And and I think that's uh, you know part of the good discussion around this that we're having is it it could be Wi-Fi coverage, it could be throughput, it could be how much your firewall can support and, and run through. Um, I tend to start off kind of people with the basics and, and I, I uh, yeah, I have to speak an analogy that uh, so earlier this year uh, we, we just came through graduation season and this was one of those graduate high school graduation seasons where I bet I went to ten different graduations and uh, each one of them that I went to was probably uh, the, the, the kid graduating I barely knew you know as a friend of a wife's kid you get invited and you get over to the house and you uh, start uh, chatting around a little bit and what you come to, you know, it ends up you're the technical guy and you start talking tech. And every one of these 10 places I visited, they all had crappy Wi-Fi. And, you know, what can I do about my Wi-Fi? And you, you find out that they've got the one router that they went to Best Buy or wherever and bought the cheapest uh, Linksys WR whatever router they had. And that's what they've had forever. And it sets in the corner of one room in the house because that's where the cable was terminated at, or that's so you, you get into a lot of these discussions of how big is your room, you know, how big is your house, how big is the area you want to cover, um, how fast is your internet connection coming into the home, uh, you know, how many devices do you have, how many people live in the house, and you start putting all these things together. Um, as I start getting a lot of this put together, I. I I've also adopted a couple other things. That's Mike. Why I was teasing you about buying a new house is, you you, you have to feel out these people to say, can you pull cable or are you not going to pull cable? Do you already have cable pulled? Because a lot of these newer solutions, uh, the Luma, the Arrow, you know, Amplify and Plume, um, are nice for a lot of people because technically you don't have to pull any cable. Um, they, some of them might run faster if you did pull cable, but one of the real you know uh, standouts to these guys is they mesh with each other um, over uh, wireless. So each of these little individual products will talk to each other wirelessly. For the for the high tech guys out there, that does cut into your bandwidth because you're using some of your bandwidth for the devices to talk to each other. Uh, but uh, the you know at the end of the day, it gives you coverage so you can get better coverage in the home. 
Well, that's so true about not knowing like what aspect of the network is their problem. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine all the people that I was going out to help that were still running like a Doxus 2 modem. And they were like, <laughs> well, I called uh, my cable provider and they said I should be getting 60 down or 100 down. I'm like, yeah, and your modem's not even going to let you get half that. I said, I'm surprised that your cable company actually should have told you that. That's not your fault for knowing, you know. But, I mean, a lot of times it can be anything. It's never just the coverage, and you're, you're so right on with that. No, I, and and that's uh, um, and in certain cases, you know, these when we start talking, I guess another thing to think about with not to dive too deeply into this mesh kind of discussion, but one of the other things a lot of guys have done is, hey, I've had bad coverage in my house, so uh, I'm running multiple wireless access points, or I've taken multiple old routers and turned them into access points. The problem is, then each one of those looks like a separate network. And as you're walking through the house with your tablet or your phone, they don't switch off well. So, you know, why why don't we have that problem in businesses? Is because uh, you know, in, a, in business IT, we set up multiple access points and we use uh, some form of a wireless LAN controller. It's you know the intelligence in there that allows all of these access points to work together with each other. That's the next thing we're seeing creep into this idea is the Lumas, the Eros, the Open Mesh. Um, with them having this this mesh Wi-Fi, they're also setting up one SSD and one network across all these access points. So now I can scatter all these little guys all over the house, get good coverage, and get good throughput, and also I don't run into these switchover problems. When I move from the den to the living room or go upstairs, um, I can hop these different access points without running into those uh, you know traditional issues you'd have with uh, access points. Yeah, and some are... Uh, some control the traffic between themselves uh, via radio, so they don't require necessarily the the one you have one that's wired in. The rest are talking to each other uh, using their radios. You know, you mentioned that uh, some of them you can connect with wire, right? And some you can use uh, power over Ethernet uh, as well. So you can run one out if you're running a cable to it out. You can power it that way as well. So lots of different options. It's it's interesting, Kevin, because this is a fairly new, a little bit of wild, wild west. Uh, when we think about these companies, many of them have started small or as Kickstarters, and, and they're, you know, we're kind of figuring out what does it mean and is there a market? I think most people are buying one router, calling it good, right? Yep. Setting it up, calling it good. They run it for two years, it stops working, they buy a new one. I think that's kind of what most people do, don't you think? I, I agree, and I, and I think that's back to my uh, you know ten graduation visits. Um, I, I so Luma and Eero are probably the two that are really aiming at hey you know your Wi-Fi your Wi-Fi doesn't have to be bad you you can you can have better Wi-Fi. The problem is is that average consumer doesn't know that. So to me, they're you know one of the best things those guys did was jump in very heavily with Amazon. You know, they're working very heavily on how they're getting their word out there. Uh, and and once again, you know, at the end of the day, I sometimes have to remi remind the folks uh, like over at the Home Server Show is even though we're the tech enthusiasts who recommend this stuff a lot, you know. In a lot of cases, these devices aren't targeted after us. You know, they they're they're aimed at a broader market segment. Who's you know, Ed, Mike, just like you said, I, I went out and I bought my uh, I, I I bought the the router, and uh, you know, this is what I got, and now I'm you know, isn't this as good as it gets? So, 
But Jim, back to your point, uh, you know, these guys uh, simplify things now by being able to talk to each other over Wi-Fi. Um, you know, a couple have popped up. Uh, this Amplify is uh, a Kickstarter. It's in pre-sales right now. Uh, Luma and Arrow, all the different devices in their mix, um, they all end up looking like uh, wireless access points. Um, the Amplify is actually doing a Wi-Fi repeater kind of function, and, and generally I tend to, you know, Wi-Fi wi repeaters don't have a great reputation in the home, but uh, Amplify is actually built by Ubiquity, and Ubiquity, well-known in, in Wi-Fi, but also they do really, really well in, like, point-to-point -point wireless. So the repeater function is something they've done very, very well over time. And, uh, you know, so that, that's one that I would look at from a technology point of view of here's a, uh, a large company who has done some other technology-related things now applying that backwards for, uh, you know, better, better performance overall. So, you know, we're, we're starting to see them apply things differently. Um, D-Link uh, had a great product, uh, haven't released it yet, but a great idea of a uh, sort of a, a twin router setup where it's a main router and then you have a secondary router that acts as a repeater, uh, one wire connection between the two. Once again, you get that seamless handoff uh, because both routers are talking to each other. They understand you know, the, the Wi-Fi run and uh, are able to uh, you know, give you great performance, great coverage, and uh, good handoffs. Now you mentioned there's a couple options if I'm if I'm pulling cable, if I'm digging in and pulling cable, or if I'm in a new house and I'm installing cable. Uh, there's a couple other options for you as well, right? Yeah, so I mean that's where we get into more of the traditional uh, wireless access points. Guys like uh, you know any of the major you know names of Cisco and Aruba and you know more of the traditional uh, workplace products, but more in the home area, Ubiquity, uh, Open Mesh have done real well. In those segments, um, actually, uh, quite a few episodes ago, you had uh, uh, Nathaniel Lindley on uh, talking about his open mesh deployment, and and that's that's a great watch for anybody viewing this who'd like to know more about open mesh. Go back and listen to uh, Nathaniel's uh, episode on here. Um, he did a lot of great uh, research on determining how much bandwidth he needed. Um, ubiquity and open mesh, uh, getting back to that wireless LAN control kind of function, they both have some software products to do that. Um, Ingenious is a Wi-Fi line that I've had great luck with over the years. They do well in small to medium business and it just struck me the other day I was thinking well you know some of the software based wireless LAN controllers are good but um, how cheap could a guy get a wireless LAN controller? And I started fuddling around a little bit and I came back to Ubiquity. The link I put in the show notes is actually a bundle they do that is uh, one of their eight port power over ethernet switches. So it would be a power over ethernet switch that would run up to eight wireless access points. And um, the, uh, the thing they do is they throw their wireless LAN control software into that switch. So I think the one I, bought, I, I picked out there was there's, um, uh, you know, from a pricing point of view, uh, was like 379 for this 8-port power over Ethernet switch, and they throw in two of their N-series wireless access points. So not the fastest wireless access point out there, but, that, you know, we kind of get into this thing with wireless access points is I'm going to buy one really good expensive one, and hopefully it covers my house. Or... 
do I look at maybe more wireless access points and and spread them around the house? But then it also gets back into one of my earlier questions of, you know, how does your spouse respond to having devices mounted on the ceiling? Because most of these wireless access points are designed to look like a smoke detector and you want to get them centrally located in the area you're trying to cover. So if it sounds like I'm asking a lot of questions, I am. Because <laughs> these are all kinds of things you need to iron out and figure out. But, uh, uh, you know, Mike, in your case, I'll, I'll pop you up a couple of links here too. Ingenious and Ubiquity both have wireless access points that look like wall outlets. So they fit uh, in, in, and Ubiquity has one, uh, I'm not sure the price on that one, but it is... Uh, the exact size of a wall outlet, it's an N-series wireless access point, and it has two Ethernet jacks out the front. So for, for you know, getting those spot locations in a house in addition to other Ubiquity products, um, Ingenious has one that's a wall mount related product that is a, uh, it's a wireless access point, and it also has a five port switch in it. So you run gigabit Ethernet in the back. You have, um, I'm sorry, it's four ports, four uh, 10-100 ports in a switch, and then it's a wireless access point besides that. So it's one of those where normally I don't recommend, you know, somebody putting lots of wireless access points around their house because you run into that handoff thing. But if you're able to jump in with one of the wireless access controllers, then that problem goes away. So those wall mount ones, they almost like you replace your Ethernet port face with one of those, or are you saying you plug it into an outlet? Yep. Oh, okay, you replace. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, you you replace one of those. They 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 fit in any uh, any I believe they fit in any standard wiring box. So okay. uh, an Ethernet box, or it could be an electrical outlet box as well. Right. Yeah, there's going to be all these things as I'm moving in. Like, Hannah's almost, I think, probably frustrated with me at this point because every time I'm hey, I, I thought about how I'm going to wire this. She goes, that is the least of my worries right now. Like, on her mind, she's, like, planning out the nursery and paint colors, and I'm like, where is that wireless access point going to go? I'm like, I was asking her today if it's okay if my server rack went in this area of the basement because that's where all the wires come down, and she's like, I don't care. I really just don't care. Just figure it out so it all works like it does in the apartment, and we'll be good. So... Wife approved for her is just if everything functions okay and there's no black wire running across the floor like there is in the apartment right now. So it uh, might get her moved in and then yeah. just do those things on the weekends. <laughs> right. Alex is taking a nap. Exactly. That's, exactly. You know, what she doesn't know won't hurt her. But what will hurt is many of these mesh or you know, Luma, Eero, Amplify, Plume. They're not cheap, Kevin. I mean... We're going to talk about Drobo, this and I to take it on the chin for Drobo's being expensive. You look at a lot of these, and these are three to $700 solutions when we think yes. about multiple access points. So this is not your $39 wireless TP-Link yeah. wireless router that you're going to throw down in the basement to get access on. I mean, you got to be ready for some sticker shock going into this mesh, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Luma, the, the, the pre-buy kits were... Um, a three-pack of Lumas uh, would cover, you know, they feel would cover an average house, and that was uh, $299 for launch. And I think they're $399 right now on Amazon. So 400 bucks for the average house. And uh, I, I want to say Arrow was a little bit more than that, but uh, I think they're um, adjusting their prices around that now. And that's the hard part nowadays. You mentioned this with a lot of these being directed at, 
average consumers, but the average consumer is not being ready for them. And in this day and age, you need to be a little bit of a tech guy because the problem is we the average person, everyone out there uses the internet pretty much like a tech guy. They use a lot of bandwidth. They're watching a lot of Netflix. They're using bandwidth like a pro, but they don't know that their back end is failing. And like you said, when you go to their house, like, hey, help me with my internet. You know, why, why is my Wi-Fi bad? And they have their kids. They have them. Everyone's just trying to choke hold this bandwidth. And then they see the price, and that's even more of a shock for them because they haven't looked at these prices in years probably. And, and right. even now, they're like, hey, well, there's a $40 one on the shelf. It, it's hard to not be at least a little bit into this in this day and age, I think, because everyone uses the internet so often, and they're using things like Netflix and high-bandwidth-intensive applications. No, I would agree, and I think you know, in a lot of cases, uh, you you really hit the nail on the head. There is the average person at home has spent under a hundred dollars for whatever router they bought, right. and that has served their needs. Or, you know, they might not even have spent anything because they're using the Wi-Fi function built into the modem they got from their cable provider, and you know, they're they're you know just noticing the quality of the Wi-Fi isn't as good or the coverage map isn't as good or they're running into saturation things so now they need to figure out what to do to get around that so and then even worse is when like my parents have AT&T Uverse which I think Lopto was mentioning in the chat room he might have that too but with the Uverse box that they have um, you cannot turn off the routing capability you right. can add you could obviously add access points which is fine but and it's terrible the hardware on there is absolutely awful so as they've had that and AT&T won't replace it and there's no way to put it in a bridge mode and it just shocks me that someone like AT&T wouldn't allow you to just put it in bridge mode have your own routers behind it it just kind of it, it's shocking it's, mentioned, it's a, oh, go, go ahead, ahead Jim. Jim. no go ahead Kevin uh, it was that, that's a good one to hit on is in and that's that's kind of a uh, so ATTU versus uh, Verizon FiOS, they all have that same issue. There's still a small percentage of the market, like under 10% of the overall internet home use market, but that's the growing end of the business because that's you know the the um, including video and including you know a lot of the other features with it. Um, so, uh, but that is an issue that the Luma specifically has is Luma. Um, wants to be your only router and and does not have a good way to go into bridge mode. So right. that has thrown a few obstacles for folks playing with Luma. Um, some of the guys on Fios have been able to grab a DMZ port off the back of Fios and that seems to work pretty well to set the Luma up on that. Um, but you know for folks who have the uh, you know something like uh, your, your folks there with the AT&T, um, that might be a place where um, Arrow, uh, um, Arrow might be a better fit because they they seem to pop into bridge mode really easily, and they kind of end up looking like an access point, and, and they're easy to to, to deploy. Um, so you know, it's it's one of these where uh, I think everybody's looking for the easy answer, so to say, on uh, Wi-Fi, and uh, you know, unfortunately, there's not. So you know, hopefully, uh, you know, groups like ours and and you know these kind of communities can help give some people some direction and and help them learn. Um, but in a lot of cases, you can see. Uh, just from some of the postings we've had in the forums over at Home Server Show, is you know people are mixing Wi-Fi and hardwired stuff and not realizing they're creating multiple networks or uh, creating switch loops by feeding switches into switches and and you know just some of the basic things you learn in networking to be careful of. So, but uh, uh, the, 
but as I kind of started the discussion, and even though we've we've somewhat beat uh, the horse to death in certain areas, um, it's it's an exciting time because whenever you get this many uh, new folks entering a certain technology, competition's good, and in the end, the consumer wins out uh, with you know better quality products, and uh, you know, hopefully these guys will start to gravitate towards. Uh, you know, ironing out some of the problems and some of the bugs they've got in their startup mode right now. But uh, you know, in the end, I think it'll be good for uh, for everyone. If you uh, you head over to homeservershow.com and look at episode 303, I think you're gonna hear the the cost of early adoption from Dave and uh, <laughs> what he's done. It's worth uh, the last couple, probably from 297 to 303, lots of Luma and a lot of Wi-Fi. We had um, you know Mike Fauche on, and he's an open mesh guy. And so, if you're into this conversation, really good. This would be a really good time to go over and uh, kind of pick the home server show episodes that uh, that relate to it. Dave's gone into it in depth. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm back. Actually, my main router, I'm back on PFSense. I had moved. I'd gone to the OnHub, and I had let it do everything. It was DHCP for the whole house. Thirty some devices in the house all attaching to it, you know, multiple phones and a whole bunch of PCs and uh, some network routers and all the stuff I'm testing on the desk and and it just couldn't keep up. And uh, what we were what I was finding on Saturdays when I would start doing uploads for uh, for home home um, home gadget geeks, it just locked up and I couldn't I would start to lose it. And uh, so I would restart it, and everything would be fine, and we'd be back up. And so I kind of know I was overwhelming that router. So uh, later this week, fired back up the PFSense router, updated it to the most recent version, because it had been shut off for a couple months, and uh, put that out in front. So that sits in front, and actually then the OnHub grabs its IP address and really just becomes a bridge or gateway um, to for all the wireless devices. So now it's serving seven or eight wireless devices while all the wired network go through some switches and then find their way to the, the PFSense router. And, of course, PFSense has just been rock solid. I never have had an issue with PFSense doing anything weird. Um, and I kind of like it. because are you running that on? Uh, say that again? What hardware are you running that on? Yeah, an Atom D525, the old first-gen Atom from four years ago, three, four years ago, four gig of RAM, and it just is rock solid, right? I mean, yeah. it, just, it just does what it's supposed to do. So, Kevin, I've introduced maybe that multiple network thing back in there because we do mm -hmm. have two networks in the house now. The wired network is going to be the 192.168.1 and then the on-hub is going to be 192.168.6 and that's right. how I separate the wireless from the wired network and of course then those route through the PFSense, the wireless route through PFSense on the way out. Working well so far. Like So we'll see this weekend. You know, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to do and we'll see how the wireless holds up as we go, but money, money, money on some of these new options, and you're yeah. absolutely going to pay the price <laughs> of early adoption because there are mm -hmm. some frustrations that are going there. All right, I'm super excited to talk about this because no one has ever said to me, Jim, <laughs> let's talk about a Drobo. Kevin, did you buy one? <laughs> yes, Jim, I bought a Drobo. In my, and and you know, not to not to belabor the Wi-Fi discussion even more, but part of my initial interest in Luma was uh, you know, at home here I have two networks. I have a lab network and the network for the home. And uh, part of my idea for Luma was the uh, the thought that I wanted to simplify that home network and have some uh, control in it. Um, likewise, with my home storage uses, uh, and, and Jim and I are 
I think pretty similar. Unless your life has changed, Jim. Um, nope. I, I'm I'm not a hundreds of terabytes kind of guy. I have probably you know I, I would say I have about four or five terabytes of um, irreplaceable stuff. Uh, you know pictures and uh, I've I've got a pictures, bunch of music, music movies, that yeah, my, videos. yeah yeah my 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 uncle uh, records uh, music and I've I've got a whole bunch of his stuff that's original type of stuff. Um, otherwise, I'm not a I'm not a DVD ripping kind of guy, um, but I use it for backing up PCs, backing up computers, and I just uh, you know instead of heading down another path of uh, which uh, which Windows OS or Linux OS or n another OS, and I had played with Unraid um, uh, a bit, a great product, just didn't really want to head that way. Uh, FreeNAS is rock solid, uh, decided not to head that way. And uh, I, I started to thinking it would be a good time to give Drobo a look again because I haven't had one in years. Bought a Drobo 5N um, y using the scholarship program at... Uh, at uh, TheAverageGuy.tv the slash Amazon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I just and, had <laughs> Put the put the accelerator card in. Uh, popped in uh, just three four terabyte drives to start with. Um, started copying stuff over. Was, I mean, setup is just drop dead easy. Uh, the only thing that I was I, I got uh, you know as being a knowledgeable networking guy, I hit a point where it said uh, you know make sure you load the Drobo software on each PC you want to connect to. The Drobo, and I would, ah, oh, geez, I don't want to do that. You know, yeah, you can I just map a network drive? Yeah. Yes, and it's you like, can. yes, I can. <laughs> and it, you know, so uh, my wife and daughter have no idea. Once again, that they're uh, mapped into the Drobo. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on changing my backup. Uh, Technology here again. I, I on on your show many times. I've talked about Paragon, uh, Paragon's latest version of their backup and recovery free uh, edition. Uh, now supports uh, UEFI BIOS. So uh, previously the free version did not support the latest BIOSes. And for a lot of the guys who are familiar with backup and recovery, especially bare metal restore backup and recovery, can be kind of painful with the the latest gen of the BIOSes. Um, this free version will do file backup, it'll do clone backup images, and it, it now has the boot media creator in it, so you can, uh, if you clone your hard drive, it'll then let you make a little USB stick to boot that system, and you can restore to different uh, um, product if you want. Yeah, I so, think it's worth a try, uh, Kevin. For 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 us, you know, we have not uh, even over on Home Server Show, we have not talked a lot of backup in a while. It's been that was, you know, we we have kind of moved on to some other things. And you've kind of convinced me just in show notes and looking at this, maybe it's time to give Paragon another kind of another fair shake on uh, I use a Cronus for my PC, yep. my wife's PC. I back those up do different or do incremental backups for that and you know so I can those are the two most important PCs in the house if we lose those <laughs> and those are backing up to my Drobo as well so those are there and I had been running those to crash plan but I think I'm actually going to just move them to my Drobo the files that I really need sit on the Drobo those go up to crash plan so they're in the cloud if something yep. were to happen here locally well we could get those back but um, Kevin, on to go back to the Drobo for a second, what's really, really interesting, a year ago, a year and a half ago, massive changeover at Drobo. The, uh, the original founders came back, bought the company back, kind of uh, excused the company that they had bought, they had sold it to two or three or four years 
before that, the company we kind of knew, and at first I was kind of like, mm, I don't know about these guys from Connected Data. They're the ones who yep. who bought it. Kevin, it's a night and day difference on the firmware and the software that we're using for Drobo now. It used to be jankety, and some of it didn't work. The Drobo apps were questionable. Like, the Crash Plan app on Drobo never worked. It works now. Like, Elephant Drive works. They have a My Drobo app now where you can set up your own cloud storage, like own cloud. My Drobo, you know, jcollison.mydrobo.com or whatever that is. And I can I can sign in securely through their services and come back to my Drobo. That that's all them. That's all the new guys. I mean, it's legit. I mean, it it used to we used to laugh, and I was a little embarrassed sometimes. I made a big deal about the Drobo, but Synology just kicked its tail when it came to features. Now, yes, still Synology got some great features. Drobo's catching up. It's pretty interesting. I already had a 5N like you. I've had one. My kids bought me one three years ago for my birthday. So I've got one, and for the longest time, I kind of, it sat. But man, over the last couple, six, seven, eight months, they are coming on strong. So it's one of those products that, and you know what? Every time I mention this, I get, oh, Richard Gunther had a problem with his, and it failed. Well, you know what? <laughs> Everything fails. Like, it never it never fails. You know, hey, did you hear about Richard, or did you hear about so-and-so who didn't like it? Well, yeah. you know, I've heard from plenty of people who didn't like a lot of things, but we keep buying them. So it's um, pricing-wise, what do you think? Do you remember when without the drives, what did you pay for your Drobo? Um Boy, was it was it four ninety nine? So, it was under five hundred dollars. Yeah, and you can get some. There's they're running deals all the time to get fifty or hundred bucks off. So you want to if, yep. you, if you're thinking about doing this, you want to. And it's still a premium product, right? I mean, this is yes, still you can get so. a QNAP for you can get a two bay or a four bay QNAP for two to four hundred bucks. You can get in a Synology for two to five hundred bucks. You're going to start with a five N. Uh, the D's. And some of the other newer, they got some newer stuff. A little bit cheaper, those plug-in, although they have the first now, um, I almost said Firewire, but that's not that's not the right. Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. They have the first real Thunderbolt-enabled working at the full speeds yep. um, attached uh, Drobo available right now. And that's some, again, that's the new guys brought those, or the, the old new guys brought that stuff back into the production line. So it's worth taking a look. Yeah, it, de- it definitely is. You know, in once again, it falls into my category of simplifying things. And uh, even though you take uh, grief early and often about Drobo's being expensive, um, if you compare it to any other five bay Synology or five bay QNAP or five bay from anybody else, it's the same price. So it it's really it's really not any more expensive. And to your point, that was, to me, the the the, uh, the Synology and QNAP thing was there's so many different models that it gets confusing because it's like, you know, okay, this one is a little bigger processor with a little more memory or this one um, has uh, two Ethernet ports so I could sync a pair of them together. Okay, yeah, and, and it just turned into this, you know, Chinese menu of trying to figure out what you wanted to get. But at the end of the day, it was, just as you said, it was all about the apps because now all of a sudden I can use all these apps. Uh, but like you said, Drobo's right there. Um, I the, the Crash Plan app works phenomenally well. Uh, Own Cloud works really well. Yeah. Uh, the Plex server works really good. Um, actually, the, uh, the they've got like a mini DN, DLNA server built in, and my TV picked that right up and could stream straight off it. So 
kind of in that same discussion of if you're thinking about Luma or Arrow to simplify your home network, Drobo is a great product to uh, you know back your stuff up and simplify your your home environment. Um, that little Thunderbolt guy you were talking about, um, that's that's kind of the rage in the um, the photography world. Uh, you know, the the ability to take this little box, fill it up with SSDs, and you know have all your devices talk uh, to your your Mac, uh, you know, directly and really, really fast. Um, it seems to be quite popular in that realm as well. Yeah, that is the uh, 5DT. So it used to be just the 5D, and this is the 5DT. Um, there's some acceleration. You know, they've always had a little drive that you can put in for SSD acceleration uh, when you're when you're moving files, and and they get it's it's very very interesting. They, you know, even the Drobo Mini. Which kind of came out and ran really hot. Um, the mini now with the price of SSDs, we kind of started the show. What's the latest deals? And you went right to SSDs. A Drobo Mini with a bunch of non-spinners in there. If you fill that thing up with SSDs, at the price point, man, that is a powerful portable RAID kind of. You know, they're the 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 RAID version that they run on it, the Drobo RAID, the Beyond RAID is what they call it. Mm -hmm. Ah, it looks pretty good now. All of a sudden, you're kind of like, well, if I if I got to go around, I got to take a lot of storage. I need to make sure it stays. Uh, you know, I, if I lose a drive while I'm out on the road, whatever, that I don't lose that. Pretty interesting option. And so, yeah, yeah, they're doing some good stuff. Mike, you're running a Synology, right? No, QNAP. No, QNAP. Yeah, the yeah. QNAP Silent NAS. It's the one that does the passive cooling. Only a two bay, but works out pretty well. I just loaded yeah. it in with those two four terabyte drives now, so doubled the space. Runs runs like a dream. Um, Kevin, interesting that you were saying this. Just last night, I was kind of reviewing. Had a few extra minutes, so I started reviewing. You know, probably once a quarter, I kind of review all my backup stuff just to make sure it's working and things are doing what they're doing. And I was, I had looked at my Acronis backups, and they were taking up a ton of space on the Drobo. And I were keeping. Mm -hmm. I'd kept like nine months worth of of a weekly. Uh, it did a weekly set. With a with uh, uh, then a weekly incremental, and when I got five incremental and in, in incrementals, why am I having trouble saying that? I said it right the first time, and I couldn't say it after that. Then it would create a new backup set, but it was keeping everything since January, and that was taking up a bunch of space to to do that. So oh, yeah. I went in and cleaned that up. I said eh, I probably only need about sixty days worth of local backup. In most cases, if you're going to go back and you want to get something from you did something to a file or whatever a while ago. 60 days is about, I think, is about the limit. You can go 90 yep. if you want. All of a sudden, because my Drobo was almost getting full, and I was thinking, well, maybe it's time to buy, because I have a 3 terabyte, two 2 terabytes, and two 1 terabyte drives. That's what makes up my Drobo. By the way, it doesn't care what's in there. I could put anything in there. It's going to use it, right, from that standpoint. And and uh, so when I did that, uh, shoot, I got another 800 gig back. Um, from from cleaning up the drive and uh, and so my Drobo configuration then here I'll, I'll uh, let me let me throw this up on the screen here really quick just so you kind of get an idea there's the dashboard and we'll share it over here for you yep. so uh, so there's the configuration right now uh, I had maybe 900 meg left last or 900 gig left last night I cleaned up my backups brought it back up to 1.6 and then if I, you can see, here's my drive configuration. So I, I was wrong. I have, um, did that show up for you guys in the, I'm still seeing, 
Do you guys see the drive configurations that are in no. there, or is this still showing? No. Okay, let's unshare this for just a second. That's weird. We'll share it back. Let's see if it does it. No, that's kind of weird. Why is it not showing the... It shows the the front page, but it won't show show the um, the the capacity, but it won't show anything else. Well, that's okay. Uh, so uh, my capacity is actually two one terabyte drives, one two terabyte drive, and three I'm sorry, and two three terabyte drives, and it's a mix of blues and reds and greens in there, right? I just whatever, it just just works. It's a rainbow, and I, I yeah, it's it's and I will eventually put all reds. That's kind of as things either wear out or I need to upgrade. But Kevin, really, you saw in the in what I was doing, yeah, I have. 1.93 terabytes of data, not a lot, and that includes backups and ISOs and you know all the things that I kind of keep around, as well as yep. my music and my you know. So two get or two terabytes, not not too terrible. No, and that's I, I I'm kind of you know it it depends same kind of housekeeping type yeah. of thing. It builds up over time, but if I if I look at that core kind of uh, you know amount of storage I have. Um, of of stuff that I would find irreplaceable, right. it's probably under under four terabytes worth of stuff. Yeah. Mike, what are you so on your QNAP? What do you keep in there? The QNAP is everything. The QNAP is all the backups from all the computers in the house, and also photos, uh, all the podcasting yeah. stuff from the past, yeah. and all of the current vlog videos, which takes up a lot of space. Each vlog space. is probably a vlog is probably about fifteen gigs worth of, because I keep all the raw files and then the final version, and that final version I'll kick out in ProRes just so I have the full thing if I ever want to go back in the future and, and edit it down. So and then are you backing that up to the cloud somewhere? That goes to the Glacier, Amazon okay. Glacier, yep. Okay. So, what do you pay yeah. for that? Uh, about 6 $7 a month, okay. depending. So pretty, pretty reasonable. Uh, I figured out my biggest, one of the biggest costs there actually isn't the storage, it is the fact that because certain files are being deleted off the server and it's just syncing up with Glacier, deleting a file early from Glacier costs you actually a little bit of extra money because it's like, hey, I mean, that's going into long-term storage. For you to ask us to delete that a week after you actually put it here, um, there's little (laughs) charges incurred there. But, you know, they're like fractions of a cent. So still $7 a month isn't bad because for the QNAP, I have to say CrashPlan is terrible. The app Mm. doesn't work. It's so Glacier is really one of the only easy options you have with QNAP, um, besides maybe some other ones. But it was just the easiest to set up on QNAP. But we've had this conversation in the past. It is not a good option for most people. But if you do have a QNAP, it's it's actually sadly one of the easiest ones to do. Well, I think uh, as a community, we might want to look at Paragon uh, again. Uh, Kevin, you you you're really good at these tools like Bellark, where we forget about them for a while, and then we go, oh yeah, that's right. There's that Bellark inventory tool that's out there that can get all our codes, all yep. our licensing information is out there, and so uh, good to uh, to view that again. And I think probably ready for prime time again with UEFI, UEFI support. It is free. Uh, is it when we say free, totally free? Uh, the, this version's totally free. The one thing that I, I always have to, in full disclosure, um, they're distributing it through the download.com, which is always a pain because you got four or five different download buttons, and you have to make sure you hit 
the right download button so you don't download all the crap that download.com wants you to get. But once you download the file, then you can uh, take that to multiple systems. Um, the other uh, thing I always have to throw out with Paragon that we've talked about before, Paragon is, uh, well, it's, uh, it's written by Germans. It's the, the user's manual is 134 pages long, but they make a key point of the fact that uh, for the third time they've redone the simple user interface, and it is possible to have a simple user interface now. Um, but it it is it's it, well it, engineered. Let's <laughs> let's put it that way. It's right? well engineered and well documented. It seems <laughs> very well documented. <laughs> That is awesome. Well, Kevin, thanks for the update on all those pieces. An hour flies by when you're having fun, and uh, we've had some good discussion in there. I will say I am looking, and Kevin, maybe I'll take your advice on this here. Uh, one of the thoughts as I was driving home today, I don't know why I had this thought. I've got this kangaroo PC I got from them. We haven't been on the show at some point. He's been going back and forth to Asia, so it's been hard to get him in. Mike, you and I may have to interview him during the day and play that into the play that into the show, into the live show. We'll have to figure that out. It's been hard to get him on. But Kevin, you were the guy that inspired me for the kitchen PC, like this HP all-in-one touch in the kitchen, whatever. And we on in our kitchen, we've got this uh, calendar that you know it's a whiteboard calendar that my wife writes on all the time. And I thought, you know, with Windows 10 and inking, that is coming for for the anniversary update that's coming here in just, well, August 2nd. We're less than a month away from it, and really good inking capabilities coming with Windows 10, which means you can write on it. I'm considering replacing that whiteboard with a full touchscreen 20, whatever I can get my hands on. I think from a price point perspective, 22 inches is probably the right size for touch. It gets really expensive after that, but... I'm considering doing that and then just mounting the the kangaroo right behind it, run it Wi-Fi, and mount that thing on a Visa mount to the wall and make that the new kitchen calendar. And then we start syncing all our phone calendars up to it. And you can, hey, Cortana, make me, you know, oh, I shouldn't say that because now Cortana just started. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> you, can, you could invoke the C word. And um, oh. <laughs> like all my PCs just woke up. I mean, they are like going, yes, yes, master, can huh? I help you? What? Yeah, she just woke up on the surface. But um, th yeah, but that would be, I mean, in the anniversary update and the in the builds we're getting, the Cortana is getting really good at it, being able to take notes, the yes. sticky note feature, the inking that's coming. I don't know, as you look at monitors and you look at touch screen, anything I, could, I should watch out for? A microphone with the kangaroo. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. I'm going to have to put yeah, a mic in there sick. in some way. Right. So um, if if my uh, my eBay account comes up here quickly, you know, and, and I, I was going to say, well, surprisingly, but I'm sure this is not surprising, um, back at uh, CES, the idea of a $5,000 Samsung refrigerator with an LCD panel in the door seemed uh, obsessively expensive. Um, but I noticed uh, as, as our kitchen refrigerator is still, um, you know, the small freezer door up top and refrigerator door below, I, I looked at it like that, that freezer door would be the perfect place to mount 
a touchscreen monitor. And to your point, um, inking is uh, is is coming on you know, incredibly fast. There's uh, you know, the the I've played a bit with Microsoft inking, and it seems like it's it's going to be you know kind of a, a game changer there. Um, the you know, one of the routes, uh, th there are several different um, do-it-yourself guides out there for buying an LCD touchscreen and mounting it up in a frame and, and you know, making it very small and very thin. But I happen to have found, let's see if it's still on my watch list here. Um, I want to say it was Hans G. It's a European monitor line. Um do, do, do. There it is. Ooh, Hans Pree. Um, I've been watching this one just to see if it will drop in price, and it has not yet. But uh, this is probably the thinnest LCD monitor that I have found. I'll uh, drop it in the show, in the chat right now, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, it's a 23-inch, uh, 10-point touch. And it is the thinnest one I've found, um, and it does have a Visa mount on the back. My How much is that running? Um, on eBay right now, it's three fourteen, but um, I, I'm not sure. It's one of those that I don't know. I haven't been able to find too much availability on it in the states, so I'm not sure if it was a a popular monitor over here or not. Um, so. You know, there are there's quite a few 22-inch touchscreens out there for you know in the couple hundred buck kind of range. Yeah, I'm um, looking at, this, at a Dell 2314 right now. T, yep. 2314 T, 23-inch touchscreen, uh, 269.21 for the monitor right now. Yeah, it's that, got a good uh, deal. VGA, USB, DP, HDMI ports. Mike, uh, help me think through the kangaroo for a second. I've got a speaker jack, but no microphone port. Am I going to have to go to a USB sound yeah. card? You're going to have to do something like that. Yep. Some yeah. sort of uh, microphone on top that you just rest there that maybe you could hear you pretty well. Yeah. well but, I've, um, I've got a, Planton a Plantronics one right here that's USB driven. It's got both. Uh, you know, it's got both of the ports on it. That could take up one of the three USB ports on the. Um, on the base. Because for the touchscreen capabilities, is that going to have to be USB? Yes. You'll need one USB port for touchscreen. Okay. So one USB, yeah, I was seeing that through. So yeah. what a lot of guys do is they, uh, you know, when, when they've done these, um, say, kind of custom form factor or build your own touchscreen monitor, they'll throw a USB hub inside so you can plug more of your devices inside of that. Right. And actually, most of these monitors probably come with some kind of a USB hub now that I'm looking at them here mm -hmm. as well. so Because, Jim, it was interesting yeah, you brought that up for the kitchen because I was thinking about doing that same exact thing with the... Because um, of the, the iSpy software, you know, it, you could switch it around. It could be a security system monitor. You could just, and if it's touchscreen, yeah. I had no, I didn't even think about the touchscreen. That's a great idea. I was just going to put it behind a monitor and have a little mouse there, but touchscreen would be even better. So we've, we, I've either had, so we started the show with talking about that 23-inch HP of mine. That was my first uh, kitchen computer as featured on the, um, the Average Guy Tech Podcast. Uh uh, back in the day, you got me to buy one, and then one. you know, to <laughs> and I got Jim to buy one, and um, and at the time it was you know an interesting deal because all these Windows Seven based touchscreen computers were not very good. You flipped Windows Eight on them, and they were usable. 
Um, and that in now in the kitchen I've got uh, it was the HP Rove, which is the 20-inch uh, touchscreen, uh, which also has a battery in it, so you can unplug it and you know move it over to a table, play games on it. But uh, um, the kitchen computers are you know one of our you know most used computers in the house for you know recipes, bringing stuff up. Um, uh, OneNote is a, a great app for. Uh, building a recipe book out of you know easy to cut and paste your favorites in there and create a uh, um, a cookbook uh, your own cookbook that way so um, you know, a lot of great uses for having a computer in in there um, the other one Mike with you and the house is a lot of the guys are taking old tablets and you can get these great um, mounting brackets for iPads and uh, Android tablets and mount them on the wall. Uh, just as you said, for a you know security device or a uh, uh, you know um, I've got a couple of Android tablets that have IR ports on them, and I use them for remote controls in addition to other things. Right. Yeah, that's what actually that's what the plan was with this uh, the Toshiba little tablet, and it uh, it it works all right. But man, with the, if you had the power of the kangaroo, that would be awesome. Yes. Or a little bit newer, you know, something like that. But this works great as a you, as long as it has power, I can constantly view the feed. This is going to be the baby monitor. So this is our portable. It's going to always be on, be powered. I'm going to figure out a way to just run even maybe a little power brick on the back to make it last because the battery is pretty much shot. Uh, but that's what this is going to be. But it's something that's more permanent in the kitchen would be really cool too. Yeah. Thanks, Brian Hour, for that. I think then he... Yes, I yes, think that was from Brian. And... Uh, I mentioned him in the vlog um, because you know I I've been using it as a Plex remote as he suggested, yeah. and then now it has a brand new use that's going to be awesome. Yeah, he's uh, he's normally out there. He must be out uh, and busy tonight. Yeah, and no. uh, Kevin, a lot of talk about your dog going on in the chat room. <laughs> They're well just behaved. loving it. What's the breed? This, this is one. This is one of three, and if you think two dogs is enough, you're right. Because we, we've had we've had this guy for a little over a year. It's storming tonight, so he's a little uh, he's a little uh, anxious. But uh, his name's Reggie. Reggie, come here. Can you come here. Reggie's a good dog. This is the oh, point when, if you're listening to the audio, you want to come over to the video <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and watch it. Well, I think I'm leaning towards um, this uh, this Dell. 23 inch, and I, I can't. I was trying to figure out how many touch points were on it. To be honest with you, I only need two. Like, I bet it's 10, but I only yeah. need two. And, and anything new now is 10. It's kind of the Windows requirement yeah. of having 10 points of touch. So generally, everything new coming out 10. is. This is 10 points. So uh, it's a uh, 23 inch LED, uh, 1920 by 1080. It's funny. It says item weight. It says fifteen hundred and sixty pounds. It looks like they missed the decimal point. So about <laughs> about fifteen pounds. It is the break your beast amount right off the wall. <laughs> Just like, do they make them out for that? I actually think we're gonna start with it. Need a contract in the kitchen. I think I'm gonna set it. We have a table in the kitchen. I'm gonna set it down with that, with the goal of unifying our calendar services. So it's like, okay. I have a work calendar. How am I going to get that synced to a home calendar? I want. We're going to put a weather app on it. If you want to know what's going on with the weather, it'll be one of those things that'll have kind of a generic sign-in, so it's always logged in. It'll just be one of those things where if you want to get some information, boom, 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 boom. But mostly it's for calendar functionality so that we can have multiple months. Because today what happens is we get a month, and then we don't update it for two weeks because you know, we've run out of month, and somebody's got to go erase it and then write the stuff back in there. And I just thought, good God, it's 2016. We should, 
We should, and it was nice to have that touchscreen. You're right, Kevin. It was nice to have that. So it's funny that I was just thinking about that today, and then of course we'd have you on the program to uh, to talk me into it. So I think that's the one I am leaning towards. Well, Kevin, thanks for coming on, and uh, always great to have you, Mike. Great to have you back. You guys hang around a little bit for the post show. Remind everyone of the new Patreon link that's out there on theaverageguy.tv. So if you want to head out and if you ever wanted to sponsor the show, or or you could even just do it for a month, whatever. I did it because I, I wanted to see how Patreon worked, but I provided the link for whatever reason. If you want to use it, it's open, available to you. You can head out to theaverageguy.tv, look for the link in the right-hand corner, or go to theaverageguy.tv slash support. You can contact the show via email. Send it to me, jim at theaverageguy.tv. A great way to track me now is on Twitter if you want to do it that way. I am going to get back to the... We have about 300 people subscribed to the newsletter, and I have a new... And start using that newsletter in a new way on the weekends when I'm publishing it. So frequency is going to be a little bit more. The writing is going to be a little bit less. But I do want to start using that subscription. If you subscribe to the blog, uh, I want to start using that a little bit more just to communicate with you on a weekly basis. So if you want to unsubscribe, if weekly is too much and you want to unsubscribe, that's fine. Uh, we'll be doing some promotion stuff out through that. It's about what's coming up. I, I think I could do a better job of letting you know the guests because... Mike, I don't know if you've looked at the guest list in a while, but we got some dynamite guests coming up, and uh, I just want to make sure. And a ton of them scheduled. I looked at it, and all of a sudden, I'm like, that populated all the way for the next few months. You know what? It's not hard. In a weekend, I can get, I can schedule it eight or nine weeks out. And so I thought maybe we could be, you know, we could be uh, keeping you more up to date on some of the guests that are coming up, so that you would, uh, you know. So if you want to sign up for the newsletter, head out to theaverageguy.tv/newsletter. That has all the last ones, although. I don't think I've written one in a year. But the last one that's there, the subscribe link to it is there if you want to get subscribed to it. The AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, of course, is powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. You know that's Christian. For more information, if you want to get some hostings, plans start at 10 bucks. maplegrovepartners.com. We'll thank Roger out at WLMN Radio, faithfully playing Home Gadget Geeks 9 a.m. Central. I think it's 9 a.m. Central. Could be Eastern each week in Grafton, West Virginia. So, Roger, thanks for doing that as well. Kevin mentioned a couple times the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund if you want to try something out. And uh, we've got the budget to be able to do it. it. That helps when you use our Amazon affiliate link, and many of you do. I appreciate you guys doing that. When you shop at Amazon, just start at theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon, and that, uh, that gives us a few cents. And a few of those cents add up and allow us to do some cool reviews and some stuff like that. Um, so we'll get that in as well. Don't forget last week's show with Ryan Parker. It was really good. So if you missed it or you're behind, skip ahead to it. It was a really good one. We have some great stuff in there. we got some great guests coming up, including I mentioned Ben from uh, from InFocus coming back to talk a little bit about uh, the the Kangaroo PC. Dwayne's coming back to talk about some some Azure. I think we, we know him most for his home... Uh, home automation stuff and, and home gadgets, but uh, we're going to talk some Azure with him coming up. So that is doing it as well. I'm trying to pull up this link just as fast as I can to get to the uh, to to get to it. Uh, Nathaniel's coming back. So Nathaniel and Chip, a new uh, Chip actually from making the Making Dad show. We're going to come back here and talk about Chromebooks. So we got that coming in. Edward Weininger is back next week from Alpha Bitcoin. Did I get that right? Yeah, Alpha Bitcoin to uh, talk about the status of, uh, of Bitcoin and where that's at. I think a very interesting discussion that we'll have. So he's got some new news. So this isn't old stuff. Uh, I just talked to him. We did a little pre-show call, and he was like, hey, do you want to talk about this and that? I'm like, I have no idea what those are. So, <laughs> yes, let's talk about those things. So he is doing that. Chris Nessie is going to come on. Chris is a, kind of a fan of the show. He's been out and around the 
Google Plus communities, and Chris talks about education tech. So um, he's going to come on and he's got all kinds of great tech about that. And then we're going to get a Windows MVP on here, a Windows Phone MVP. Joel is going to be coming on. Uh, Rushworth will be coming on here in September to talk about kind of the status. Where's Windows Phone? Where's Continuum? What's going on with that? It's not what you think. So I'll just I'll just put it down. There's some gadgets that are coming with, you know, Microsoft has not given up on Windows Phone, and I think there's a reason why, and there's some gadgets coming that'll be very, very interesting running the Windows Phone version. So that uh, you want to stay uh, tuned for that. And then one of th uh, I actually got a tip-off, and I'm trying to think who did that for me. I should know this right off the top of my head, and I'm sorry that I forgot, but the guys over at ResetPlug.com, uh, JC is going to join us uh, here at the uh, mid-August or so. He's got a little product, a little gadget that uh, they've been developing, and if you want to head out to ResetPlug.com, take a peek at that. Uh, we're going to have him on and, of course, talk about his gadgets. So, got a lot going up, including a meetup that's happening in, in, in Indianapolis the weekend of uh, the 16th, 17th, and 18th of September. So if you haven't signed up for that, head over to HomeServerShow.com and get signed up for that. We are live every Thursday, just about every Thursday. Mike, this might be a record for me in consecutive Thursdays. I mean, we have been on a roll. And looking at the next few weeks, it's not the train's not stopping anytime soon. No, it is. <laughs> I think yep. it's been since March since I missed a Thursday. I mean, it's been really steady. And uh, we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. We want to thank everybody who came out and joined us in the chat room. It'd be It's awesome when you guys come out and interact with us in the chat room. It's even more awesome when you contact me. Let me know you're listening in the chat room and you got ideas for things that you want us to cover. So I always appreciate that. Always great stuff. And I, I invited folks to be on the show. Joel said, Joel responded, you know, a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, you want to join us as a guest? Let's do a pre-call and see if you have something to say. And Joel said, actually, I met you before, is what he said to me to begin with. <laughs> I forgot. And then, uh, and, and, but we'd love you to do that. If, that's, if you want to be on the show, just ping us and let us know. And uh, Mike and I will have you on. And uh, with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.